Namaste. I'm Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell here at the Unity Center in beautiful San Diego. Thank you so much for subscribing to this channel. Please make sure that you like the video you've just watched and consider making a contribution on our app or on our website. It's really easy to do. And thank you in advance for that support. It does make a difference. So life lessons, lessons from, from my kitchen. As I think about how I d would describe what I'm really about, both in my personal life and in my ministerial life, it's really about teaching everyday spiritual wisdom for conscious living and for global transformation. That's what's important to me. Everyday spiritual wisdom, practical spiritual wisdom that helps me to live more consciously and hopefully, if I do a better job of that, that I can make my contribution to things for others and things on the planet to be better. I absolutely believe that if we are doing anything that we do in our lives mindfully can teach us, whatever the activity is. What's the expression? Chop wood, carry water, right? After enlightenment, we go back, but we go back differently. We go back differently. My kitchen is the center, in a way, literally, in my house, but it's very much the center of our family life. My kitchen is a place where some of the very deepest, most important conversations have happened with my kids or my husband as we're cleaning copper pots. A long process allows for deep conversations. A place where happy memories and happy moments are shared, drying dishes, one of our new favorite things to do ever since seeing the play Hamilton on television. My kids love to sing, I'll be back. Or what's, it, what's the name of the song? I'm forgetting it. You'll be back, you'll be back. I don't, I'm not very good at singing it, but I, I'm a great audience. And they dance in the kitchen singing, you'll, you'll be back. Or just moments of planning family gatherings or gatherings with friends, a place that, that life happens, that life happens. But also for me, it's a place where I get to grow spiritually. I get to practice and learn some very important life skills. Anything done mindfully, anything done mindfully can grow us and support us and help us to be a better person. So I want to share five ideas with you this morning. The first for me is, in my experience in my kitchen, I can practice humility can practice humility. We learn to cook. I can remember very, very vividly when, when John and I remarried, that's a whole other story, I'm not going to share it now, but when John and I remarried, I thought, boy, if we're gonna do family and we're gonna do life, somebody's gotta do the, do the cooking. And it's not that he wasn't willing to do it, but I figured if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna learn how to do it pretty well. And so I put my mind and my heart to it, and I love, love it. But there was a learning. Anything in life really is a learning. And yet we can learn and what? Still forget. We can learn and still forget. There's humility in the process. We don't start off at the top of anything. We work our way incrementally 
to the top of whatever it is, to being a more loving person, a more, more patient person, a better cook. Humility, when we make mistakes, because we're going to make mistakes. We're not born knowing how to, how to do it. Salt looks an awful lot like sugar. Salt is not a great substitute for sugar. My family will attest to that. Beautiful filet mignon with cognac cream sauce dinner, made it many times before. A luscious baked potato with just the right amount of, of um, sour cream and salt and pepper. And a wonderful side dish of French, we call them drunk onions. Little tiny onions. Takes forever to peel those little things. And then to cook them up in a nice red sauce made of wine. And then you sprinkle sugar to caramelize. Doesn't work very good. When you grab the kosher salt instead of the sugar and we're sitting down enjoying this meal and faces around the table look like Hmm, do we tell mom? Yeah, we tell mom. What did you do? Humility, right? Humility. We learn and we forget. And the same is true, I think, in our spiritual journey. I still go back to my, some of my favorite teachers. I go back to some of my favorite parts of our Bible. I go back to the Beatitudes. I go back to the Sermon on the Mount. Those are some of my favorites. I go back to some of the Old Testament stories that are great stories about the, the hero's journey and working through challenges and working through difficulties. I go to teachers like Pema Chodron or Thich Nhat Hanh. And I've been doing this for a long time. Humility, to learn, to practice. It works well in the kitchen. It is really, really important in life. Mindfulness. How many of you think mindfulness is important in life? Yeah. Yeah, mindfulness. Mindfulness in the kitchen looks like mindfulness of time. How long does it take to cook a particular thing? And if you're doing several dishes, right? You know, Thanksgiving is a great example of that, right? So many dishes all coming together at the last moment, and you want it all nice and and hot and delicious, and it represents all those wonderful memories and mindfulness of time. Temperature. Now I'm coming. Oh, well, we're just going to go with it. This is humility. Learn and forget, right? But mindfulness. And what happens if you're not mindful? I know what happens for me if I'm not mindful. I make a lot of mistakes. Mindfulness. Paying attention. 1997, our first Thanksgiving in the house we bought when we lived in Scripps Ranch. We lived there for almost 18 years. Very first Thanksgiving, family and friends over, bought my turkey, a really special one. But then Vaughn's had this deal. If you bought enough other things, you got another turkey for only $2. So I did it. And I thought, Got to have a lot of turkey. Besides, I'm known to buy too many potatoes for mashed potatoes and gravy. So I figured I needed another turkey. Bought another turkey. Had them both defrosting just the way you're supposed to do all of that. But you know how sometimes they don't? Maybe some of you who are perfect cooks don't have this happen. But sometimes there's still like a little bit of ice crystals in there. So, you know, one's in the kitchen getting all ready and 
John does a yucky part to make sure that you know it's all cleaned. The other one's in an extra sink I had in our laundry area. Brand new to this house. Got the turkey in there, the water running to help kind of, you know, make sure that it would completely defrost. Not mindful, I'm doing other things, not mindful of the fact that I'd forgotten something. And John comes walking from the garage, past the laundry room, into the kitchen, sloshing. I had left the water running. My $2 turkey, because I was not mindful, cost over $700 of repair in a brand. Mindfulness, does it have its benefits in life? Absolutely. How many accidents are caused when we're not mindful, right? We're just not paying attention. How many missed opportunities do we have to be there for another or to really hear what our loved one is saying that maybe is a cry for, for help or support because we're really not mindfully with them when they're telling us something. Our mind is somewhere else. Mistakes happen. Mistakes happen. But when we are more present, when we have cultivated, whether it's in the kitchen or anywhere else, the opportunity to practice mindfulness, we will be better prepared to handle those mistakes. We will catch what we need to hear at the moment that we need to hear it. We will be able to seize the opportunity before us. So mindfulness in my kitchen. The quality of harmony, of harmony, of flavors and textures, what it looks like, how everything blends together. Some flavors work very well together, right? Yes? And some don't work so well together. There's a chemistry to cooking. I think of Alton Brown. Some of you who share the love of cooking have to be familiar with Alton Brown, who loves to teach about some of the, the chemistry of cooking. Sauces can break if they are heated too quickly or heated for too long. Eggs can curdle if they are not tempered before putting them in a hot liquid, like when you're making homemade ice cream. There's a chemistry, a harmony to preparing food, but there's a harmony to living with each other. And I think that we are living in a time in our world today where, where we are really out of harmony that we have forgotten some really important kinds of things. We are not a human race, we are a human family, but we've kind of forgotten how to live that way more consistently and more steadily. We've forgotten, I think, the importance of, of civility, of learning how to live in greater harmony with one another. I imagine that those of us in this room, because if you're in this room, you're in this teaching, that we feel really committed to doing what we can where we are to embody greater harmony in our relationships, harmony with one another, harmony in, in our world. And what does that mean? It's not always easy to do. 
Jesus, if we look at Jesus as a master teacher, I don't see anywhere in any of his Beatitudes or any of his teachings where he said, oh, and by the way, this is pretty easy stuff. No, he didn't. He was pretty clear on the kind of stuff we needed to do. He was kind of clear on where the work begins, which is really inside of ourselves. We need to be willing to do our part, right? We need to be willing to say, how can I in this situation be a, a presence of peace? How can I in this situation bring some harmony or some understanding? How can I diffuse maybe some of the, the energy, the negativity or the fear or the sadness that is before me? This past week, I've made several very, um, very deep pastoral care phone calls to, to several people in our community going through some really tough things, some heartbreaking things. And sometimes it's not about the exact words you say. It's about the harmony that you do your best to embody as you are listening. To really be that place where another can share their fear or their anger or their pain or their sadness and to be seen and to have their voice and their humanity honored and respected. Harmony, whether it's the chemistry of ingredients and flavors in our kitchen, or whether it's the harmony we seek to try to develop in ourselves so that when we are working through those tough things, that even if they don't come about or end in quite the way we thought they would or they should, that we are at least harmonious in the process of bringing ourselves to a place of completion. It's doing our best to get along with one another. It's sharing the work. It's keeping our word. It's working on our stuff. All of these things help us to bring harmony into the world. In my kitchen, one of the qualities that, that I get to cultivate or to practice is resourcefulness making the best of what I have and enjoying the best of what I have, making the best of what I have and enjoying the best of what I have. And over the years, as I've practiced these teachings more, the best of what I have is better than it used to be. But there was always the best of what I had, no matter where I was in, in my life. And the same is, is true of you. Resourcefulness. Doing what we can, the best that we can with what we have. And sometimes it looks very, very different, right? We can mix things up in new and different ways, but we step back and we take a look and we say, well, what do I have? And how can I put this together? Many of you are very aware of the long and deep and authentic work that our community has been doing since about 2017 in the field of racial equity. And we've done a lot of group work, deep inner work, 
Um, we've helped to birth the Anti-Racism Institute, a separate nonprofit organization dedicated to racial literacy and helping to close the, the wealth gap. And in the process of doing some of that work, I continue to learn and, and people continue to share either books or podcasts or television shows for me to watch. And I forget who in the church, but one of you told me about a program on Netflix called High on the Hog. And if you haven't seen this program, I really encourage you to. It's about black food being American food. And it traces some of the history of enslaved people and, and the foods that they prepared and, and brought from their homes. And the expression high on the hog referred to this idea of to me, resourcefulness, taking what little you have and trying to make the very, very best of it. And some of the most amazing and rich flavors have come from peoples who have had to do the best they can with the very least that they had to start off with. And so wherever we are in our lives, we can be committed to this idea of resourcefulness that says, maybe I don't right now have everything I long to have, but what do I have in terms of life experiences, in terms of connections, in terms of whatever resources I have that I can leverage to create for myself and those around me a better world, a better life experience? To me, that's grounded really in our, in our founders, in Myrtle and Charles Fillmore, in the transcendentalists. It's grounded in the formation of our country because I think it's a part of the very guts of what it is to be a growing, evolving human being. We take stock. What's at my fingertips? What can I use and how can I use it in the best, most resourceful way? I said it is making the best of what you have, but also enjoying the best of what you have. I think about the Christmas dinners and Thanksgiving dinners that I enjoyed as a kid growing up, whether it was my mom making the meal or my grandmother making the meal. And I knew it was going to be a special, special occasion, you know, I'm talking about pretty young kid, when the tablecloths came out and all the fancy china came out, and all the crystal came out, and all those confusing utensils, all the knives and the forks, and I didn't know there could be so many different sized spoons and where they went, and, but all of that came out. It was all the best stuff. And I do remember wondering, why do we use it so infrequently? And I've tried in my own life to use some of, quote, our best stuff more frequently. Not just on those wonderful occasions where you, you want to, but maybe some of those in the middle kind of occasions. Or I love an expression my mom used to always use. She still does. Just because. Doing something nice or buying a little gift. Not because of a birthday. Not because of anything. Just because just because, to pull out the good stuff, whatever the good stuff is for you. And even if it is just for you, you might be living alone. But what's your best good stuff? 
And can you pull it out and say, I'm going to do this just for me? I don't know about you, but living through this time that we've been living through, I think the more we can take good, honest, gentle care of ourselves, the better equipped we are to take care of others. When I was talking to my son yesterday, I was sharing with him some of the pastoral care experiences I've been having over the last couple of months, actually, not sharing any names or anything like that. And he turned to me and he said, and so, Mom, who's there for you when you need pastoral care? And he kind of caught me up short, and I'd say, well, I've got my, I've got my sources. But he reminded me of, you know, when you get on a plane and they give you all the information about your, the, your oxygen mask, what's the thing they tell you about the oxygen mask? Take, excuse me, take care of yourself first. Uh-oh. They say take care of yourself first, right? So, you know, being resourceful and doing the best we can with what we have, but also looking at the best of what we do have and celebrating ourselves, celebrating our families, celebrating the fact that we are still here, right? Right? And the last that I would share with you is the idea of flexibility and creativity. One of the things that I think happens, and I've noticed this for myself in the last few years, that I am less tied to my recipes than I used to be. A lot of the stuff is just ingrained, a lot, not, not baking. There's, there is a fine art, I think, to a, a lot of baking and pastry and stuff like that. But in many other things, there's a greater range for, or, or um, what's the word I'm looking for? You can be much more flexible. You can be much more creative. And I think that that could perhaps be a byproduct of the more we practice anything, the more confidence we begin to get in some of the basics, then I think we feel more flexible and, and freer to be more creative. I don't know if this is true, but I think of you, Daniel, and I think of the journey, some of the, your journey that I'm aware of as I've listened to your music. And it seems to me that over the years, there has been a, a, a deeper maturity, a wider range of the kinds of things you sing about and the way that you perform. And, and perform doesn't even feel like the right word because I really feel like you embody what you're singing. But that there's, perhaps you've had the experience I'm talking about, that the better we get at something through practice, then it builds upon itself and we feel a greater degree of flexibility and, and creativity flows. I remember the late futurist Barbara Mox Hubbard would often talk about how we each need to play to our talents and our strengths and our gifts. And what a better world it would be if we personally committed to doing that ourselves and then those of us who are school teachers, those of us who are parents, to really nurture that in the generation coming up alongside of us, to, to develop their authentic gifts. When we do that, greater flexibility flows, greater creativity flows. I've talked to you about the things I've learned in my kitchen. I've talked to you about qualities of life that I think 
are things that you can practice when you're preparing the most elaborate meal or the most simple meal. But these are the same kinds of qualities, I believe, help us create a more purposeful life for ourselves and for others. To bring greater humility into our relationships, to live our lives more mindfully, to do what we can to be a harmonious presence wherever we can to the best of our ability, to be resourceful and creative, and to be flexible. So I hope there's been an idea or two that you go, ah, you know what, I think I could use that. And as you'll hear me say many, many times, you only need to take an idea. It doesn't have to be everything. There's no test. You're not going to get a test. Did you remember everything? She said, no. Whatever really kind of grabbed you, whether it's something I said or something that you hear from Daniel in song, you take that and you work that into your life and your life is going to be better. God bless you.